some of my first questions, and you can answer them honestly online. I want you to participate also. Even put it in the comments if you'd like. But my first question is, do you do your devotions every day? If not every day, then how many times a week, a month, or a year? Let's be honest with ourselves. You don't have to answer this out loud. This is between you and God. Do you believe spending time with the Lord is a vital part of your relationship with him? And if you are spending time with the Lord... What do you hope to gain from it? Well, today I'm going to talk about intimacy with the Father, something we all need, but I'm not sure many of us have ever really experienced, or maybe we just don't know how. But let me, I'm going to say preface, as I was practicing earlier, I said preface and my husband started laughing. And so, of course, I said preface instead of preface. So there you go. Little joke for you, Pastor Jake. Um, But as we mature in faith and grow closer to him, these are the steps to help us get even closer. This is a journey. This doesn't happen overnight. So no matter whether you accepted the Lord last week, praise Jesus, or you've known the Lord and walked with him for 90 years. Hallelujah. (laughs) My prayer is that us as a body of Christ would come together to know more about his heart and put it into practice. So what does true intimacy with God even mean? So if you have your notes out, you can go ahead and pull those out. We're going to start kind of digging in. I'm a big fan of writing notes, so go crazy if you need to. If you need to pay attention, I get it too. So it means having an open communication, trust, and love between you and him. True intimacy with God is also something we feel that no one else can ever really understand the special bond that we have because it's altogether personal. In other other words, to describe intimacy would be affinity, closeness, togetherness, mutual affection, familiarity, as in he knows us. And the list will just continue. Well, what does the Bible say about intimacy with God? So in James, that is in the um, New Testament, James 4.8, it says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. David, in Psalms, that's about the middle of your Bible, Psalm 73, 28. For me, it is good to be near to God. And Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you. This is my favorite part. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. 
Those are just to name a few scriptures. We see it countless times, story after story, of God meeting and communing with his people, of God seeking out time. Whether in the Garden of Gethsemane or David pleading numerous times for more of God. This is not a suggestion, church. This is a part of our great commandment. Matthew 22, 35 through 38. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So how do we even do this? How do we go deeper? Well, when Jesus was speaking out on the wall, well, actually on the beach, and he saw Simon Peter on the boat coming out, with no fish, Jesus says, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. So Jesus is literally saying, we gotta go deeper. If you want more of him today, well then let's launch out into the deep. So my first point in how we obtain intimacy with God is through obedience. Obedience, obedience leads to experiencing God's presence. Obedience commonly is the pathway to intimacy with God and ultimately his blessings. We see this in many scriptures John 15.10 says, If you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Well, I have two friends this morning that are going to come up and talk a little bit about obedience to God. Um, my friends Sue and Ben Chase will be um, coming right up here. Would you guys give them a hand? Rebecca asked us to talk about why we pray at the altar. Prayer is arguably one of the most valuable spiritual disciplines there is. A prayer at the altar gives Ben and I the opportunity to magnify it. Obviously, God can hear us anywhere, being omnipresent, omnipotent. However, when we come to the altar at church, there is a greater closeness to him. We feel we are approaching the cross. We kneel down in response to worshiping the one that gave his life in place of ours. It is a place we receive mercy and grace. A stigma that kept us from the altar was others watching us approach and thinking they were wondering, what sin do they have, do they need forgiveness for? What trouble are they in? Those poor chases. Poor Sue. <laughs> on Sundays, we would come away from church feeling we were missing out on something, an intimate closeness to God. It wasn't until two years ago 
that I really began to listen to God. I had a pretty significant event happen that opened my eyes to the power of obedience to God. I can say that it changed my life direction, and Ben and I needed to both be on the same page for what was coming. We were letting what we thought other people were thinking get in the way of what God was asking us to do. After all, Ben had been going to the altar every Friday morning for the past 11 years to pray for his family and requests from our congregation. Why was it so different for us to move toward the altar on a Sunday morning? Yes, we had gone to the altar before, but it was just movement because so many others were going. The first time we went to the altar after my life-changing event was during an altar call. I felt God saying, come to me, trust me, I am here. And we did not hesitate. I'm pretty sure I personally went through a whole box of Kleenex that morning. Poor Ben, he was the one that collected all the Kleenex and seen them to the trash. As the years have passed, it has become our blessing to kneel at the cross and pour out our gratitude and give our worries to him. We are so grateful for a God that loves us more than we could possibly imagine. We no longer carry the stress of life events that once was so prevalent. Luke 11:9 says, Only in his power can we push away feelings of doubt, disappointment, dismay, and discouragement and fill our minds with hope, joy, peace, creativity, and sense of expectancy. Won't you join us at the cross? Thank you. Thank you, guys. It is not easy. Yes, let's give them a round of applause. Thank you. It is not easy to stand up here and to be vulnerable and to share something so deep and close to your heart. So thank you for being obedient to that. Thank you for remaining in Christ's love. So as we remain in Christ's love, it means to constantly experience and be aware of it. So in simple terms, it means hearing the word of God and God himself and then acting on it. It implies aligning our will to God's will. Doing what God has asked us to do even when it seems crazy, even when it makes no sense. It is when we are completely surrendered to his authority and base our decisions on our, on our actions on his heart and word. Therefore, to obey God, excuse me, let me try that again. Therefore, to not obey God means to not experience God's love as we should. That doesn't mean you won't experience God's love in disobedience. What it means is you won't experience God's love in its fullest capacity. I personally would not want to miss out on that. So my questions are, you living in obedience and therefore growing in the knowledge of God or living in disobedience and growing farther away from the Lord? When we do things our own way and we choose to ignore the Lord in our actions and in our hearts, 
then we miss out on his presence and even his blessings. In Psalms, David says, he will not hear us. We miss out on his presence and blessings. A second way that we can become more intimate with God, and this is a hard one, is through brokenness. Brokenness is the perfect place for all of us to experience God. It is when we are broken, weak, lost, and lonely that God can move miraculously in our lives. Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He delivers those who are discouraged. Pastor Steve Cole said it this way, In problem solving, the first step is to recognize and define the problem. Often, our problem is that we don't clearly see the problem. We aren't aware of our great need, so we aren't open for God to move into our lives and begin working on the problems. Many times it takes a crisis where we are brought to the end of our own abilities and schemes for us to be able to see our need and to be open for God to come breaking through into our lives. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It is when we are in a state of poverty of spirit, when we recognize our sin and weakness before God, that we experience his kingdom. He often allows us to experience trial and weakness, seasons of deep depravity and deep pain. And that is why it says in the scriptures in James 1-2, Consider it pure joy when you encounter various trials and tribulations because it is the testing of your faith. So we can consider our trials pure joy because we know what God is doing in our lives. He is revealing himself to us and transforming forming us into his image. Oh, but this is not easy. Let me say that again. That is not easy. So I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable with you guys today. Those of you who know me know I don't like that. So, <laughs> but I am being obedient to God this morning. So up until December 2017, I thought my relationship with God was solid. We were doing good, spending time with him, worshiping him, thanking him for all he has done. I mean, a husband and these beautiful children. I thought I was great. Never did I think that I had to go deeper. Or maybe I didn't know how. Then, on December 18th, 2017, it all came crashing. 
I was 16 weeks pregnant, and I wasn't feeling very well. And we were going in for a checkup to make sure things were good. Well, as I laid there, my heart and mind all over the place, I looked at the screen, and I saw the nurse and her face. And my sweet baby no longer had a heartbeat. Nothing, absolutely nothing prepares you for that moment. I immediately began to sob. I mean, I'm talking uncontrollable. I couldn't even breathe. My boys and my sweet hubby were right there. And I felt so lost and so confused and so sad. Like deep sadness that it felt so weighty and dark. And in that moment, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, this is a place where I'm going to use you and link you to other people so that you become the pastor I need you to become. I just sat in that, trusting the words. Well, in the hospital looking at the screen, seeing an empty tummy. I was devastated, screaming inside. And yet, God spoke again. And he said, you will be pregnant again on your birthday, and it will be a girl. All right, so I'm thinking, my birthday's in a month. Are you going to come pull a Mary situation, or what's going to happen? My other thought is I'm thinking, who does this? Who, in my deepest pain and grief, would fill me with such a call, with such a hope and life? God. God does this. Well, my journey with losing Ezra has not ended, nor will it ever. Yes, I named him Ezra because the Lord said, name him Ezra, because Ezra means helper. And he really did. My grief journey will always continue, but my healing of a shattered, frailed, broken heart was being put together. All I could do was run to him. All I wanted to do was stay in his presence, talk with the Lord, write to the Lord, praise the Lord as tears fell down my face. He was the source. He was the only one to take me through such pain. Well, fast forward 14 months later, our beautiful, red-headed, smunky, little Jovi came into the world. Isn't God good? <laughs> you see, the Lord answered. And all I ever want to do is stay step by step and step 
with him. Let my every word and all my actions be of him. I need him in every aspect of my life. And before I do anything, I am in commune with him, hearing his heart, sitting in his presence, just captivated by who he is. Psalms 56, 8. You keep a track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. And you've recorded each one in your book. What an intimate God. He knows every tear you have cried. Take that in for a second. A friend reached out to me during my journey. And she sent me this devotional. And part of it, it said, he knows the tears that soak your pillow at night. And he knows the ones that fall out of your face when no one else sees them. And he knows when you've drenched your pillow. What? How? Every tear. What a beautiful God we serve. Another way to gain intimacy with God is to find him through revelation of God's word. Now, you all have, let's see if I have one. I thought I did. Let's see. You have a handout because I told you I want to equip you and help you. And so let's hold this out for just one second. It'll be on the screen in just a few moments. It says we cannot have a true revelation of God apart from his Word. It is through God's word that he reveals himself to us. God has given us his written word by which we test everything and know God more. For those who love God's word, meditate on it daily, obey it. God promises many blessings. In Psalms 1, 1 through 3, he describes some of these blessings. He says, How blessed is the one who do, does not follow the advice of the wicked. Instead, finds pleasure in obeying the Lord's commands. He meditates on his commands day and night. He is like a tree planted by flowing streams. It yields its fruit at the proper time time and its leaves never fail and never fall off. He succeeds in everything he attempts. Wow, what promises. God blesses those who delight, meditate on, and obey his word. Everything they do will prosper. They're, they'll excuse me, their experience with God, they will experience God in the mundane, in their work, in their family, in their ministry, and especially in their trials. Well, one of the coolest tools that I learned in one of my preaching classes, it was called 
or it is called <laughs> Lectio Divinia. And it is such a cool way to experience God in Scripture. So if you see over here, like I had you take a deep breath in, that's exactly what you'll do when you're sitting in the space that God has, is ready to commune with you. And you will let everything go in that moment. You go to a passage and you start to read it. And you'll read it three to four times depending on what you need for that day. And then there's just these questions uh, to ponder the passage. What words or feelings come to mind as you read that passage? What drew your attention to this passage? What is stirring inside of you? And then there's a response. Respond to God in prayer. Express your heart. Ask for more of his understanding regarding the Holy Spirit as it's highlighted, and then rest in it. It's such an interesting way. I've given this to several people as I've discipled, uh, and the best way to describe it is it is, a, it is a way developing a closer relationship with God by praying reflectively on his words. Lectio Divinia is the cho chosen scriptural text is read three to four times like we talked about, and in total, and then giving an opportunity to think deeply about it and respond thoughtfully. When we practice Lectio Divinia, we can imagine we're actually involved in the events of Scripture. All right, let's get that hand out again. Turn it around. And this is probably my favorite one. The way that we gain Intimacy with God is through solitude. So everyone stand up. That's right. Everyone stand up. I know it's early, but we can do this. There are many postures of prayer. These are not all of them. These are just a few. And so I wanted to practice with you today I'm not going to have you kneel, not yet at least, um, just because we're in um, pews. But why don't you try lifting your arms up? I have a mic, so I can't do both. <laughs> Think about the reverence, the royalty that he deserves. Okay, go ahead and sit down. Thank you. Did you know that sitting right there, you can have intimacy with God? Just sitting, sitting in his presence. One of my favorite pastors, she likes to go for walks and commune with the Lord and talk to him and she listens. You see, there are so many ways to connect, to gain intimacy with the Lord. But solitude is one of my favorites. I believe it is the most important part of experiencing intimacy with God. We practice the discipline of solitude intentionally, getting away from people and work to focus on God. Creating a space with just him and you. I like to call this no space. 
There are times we put ourselves in the same environment to experience the intimacy of God. You know, um, when I was in a place of grieving, I had a chair with Bible and chocolates, and that was my space between the Lord and I, and that, that was what I needed. You'll see this in scriptures. Moses met God by himself on a mountain as God appeared in a fiery bush. Gideon met God in a cave. Nope, sorry, I messed that up. Gideon met God while by himself threshing grain. Elijah met God in a cave. And it was while Christ was in the wilderness fasting. The angels came and ministered to him after his temptation. But sadly, many of us never intentionally get alone with God. So how do we experience him in deeper ways? We rush to work. story. I thought I was going to wear a shirt that said, it is well. And in my whole mind, it must be like a mom thing. I don't know what I thought about this shirt. I didn't look at it. I just put it on. And do you know what it says? Be still and know. Who does that? (laughs) Be still can also be translated into stop striving Let me say that again. Be still can be translated into stop striving. We need to practice intentional solitude to experience God. So how do we do any of this? What does it take for the Lord to make us supple, humble, and meek before him? And ready to receive more of him. Well, my dear friend Sue said it best. By coming to the cross of Jesus. By seeking him. I believe it starts on our knees. It starts with pouring out all we have to him. So what have you not given him this morning? What is he speaking to you right now? In a few minutes, the band is going to come up and start getting ready. You have post-it notes. If you don't have one on your, in your bulletin, there are some all throughout on each side. And in this space right now, what is God asking of you? What have you not given him? What are you holding back? The more we hold back, 
the less intimate we can be with him. So what do you need to release this morning? So I want you to write a phrase, a word, or something the Lord is speaking to you on that post-it note. And in a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And I know that feels really vulnerable, but that's okay. God needs our full attention this morning. But what does it even mean? Going to the altar. Do we know what that really means? The Hebrew word for altar means a sacrificing place. To come to the altar was to understand that it was a doorway into the presence of God. But the significance of the altar is this. It is a place where God meets man and man meets God. You see, there are so many situations in our lives, our circumstances, that feel so out of control. But do you know that you can grab a hold and seek and pray and go after God and his will? We have a hard time wrestling. We don't know how to wrestle with the Lord. I believe we might have lost the art form of waiting on God. There's an old English word called tarry, which means to wait and to linger in the presence. It means to stay with the Lord and wrestle until you come out with your spirit settled and or you feel the release of God. I like to call this neology. It is literally sore knees to get down on your knees and not get off your knees until the Lord has given you a release in your heart and your spirit. To not leave this place until he has done something unique in you. To say, God, I will not leave this place until I hear you. Because seeking is one part content and two part resolve. So in this place, right here, let's resolve. God, we will not leave until we find you. We resolve to tarry with you, God. We will wait on you, Lord. We will not walk away until we find you. And it's in this place that the Holy Spirit will come down and our lives are new today because of what he did in the tearing place. To wait on him, to go after him. Do we know how to wrestle? In Matthew 26, 38. As Jesus was preparing for the cross. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and he fell on his face and prayed 
saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He was praying so fervently that scriptures say his sweat is like blood dripping down. He seeks God to the point that when he comes out, he's a man of resolve, ready to go to the cross. In that garden, God didn't give Jesus his way. He gave him his will. And then he was ready. He was ready to make a sacrifice. Church, you can't bypass the place of sacrifice and expect to get into the presence of God. And so I remind you, these post-it notes, what is the Lord speaking to you? What do you need to lay at the altars? And you can come all around and just place them. And I want you to go another step. It's called neology. Sore knees. Get down. And let's wrestle with the Lord. The band is going to sing. And this song is literally saying, there's nothing else. All I want to do is to be in your presence. I'm not expecting anything. I don't need a blessing, but I just want more of you. And so church, this is your space. This is your time. Let's go to the cross. I'm sorry. 
just want more and more of you. We want to wrestle more. We desire to hear your voice. We desire for you to guide us even to our very steps and words. We want more of you. So Lord, thank you for being in this place. Lord, as my friends are sitting and wrestling, Father God, pour out on them this morning. Would they feel your love in such a mighty way, Lord? Would you speak to them would you reveal yourself to them? Those who are in the seats, Lord, would you reveal yourselves, reveal yourself to them, Lord? The only time I want to strive is to strive to sit in your presence more, is to walk with you, is to be with you in communion. And so, Lord, help us. Help us do this more, more and more and more of you every day, Father. Lord, would this not just be a message where we feel good and we walk out and, and there it is, we go on with our lives. Would this be a message where you are moving and working in the very lives of your sons and daughters? that's sitting in your presence, that obedience to you, that reading your scripture is exactly how you designed us to be in commune with you. So Lord, we give you this day and we thank you for who you are, what you are doing in these very lives, in the lives online. Lord, you are pouring out your Holy Spirit right now. God, we love you. We worship you. We will worship you in the pain. We will worship you in the mountaintops. We will not stop worshiping you. Jesus. In all this we pray in your gracious holy name. Amen. Would you all stand and receive the benediction? Of course, the benediction is not here, so <laughs> isn't that funny? May the peace of God and the hope fill you with all joy as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go in grace and peace, my friends. You are so loved. Have a wonderful Sunday.